The NBA is changing the rules about the take foul, and this could make the Pelicans have a top five offense in the league next year. I'll explain how and why in today's episode of Locked On Pelicans. Let's go. You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with y'all on this Friday, wrap, wrapping up a week's worth of shows and summer league coming to the close as the Pelicans take on the Lakers tonight, late game, and then one more game after that, we'll find out whether that's the championship game or something else coming up very, very soon. But today's show, we're going to talk a little bit of offense. But because of the rules that the NBA is changing, changes to the take foul. I'll explain what the take foul is, what the changes are, and how this could lead to the Pelicans having a top five offense. And of course, thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday for y'all, breaking down everything you want to know about the team. Summer League, the offense, the defense, we'll get into season preview stuff here before you know it. Free agency, the draft, we got it all. Monday through Friday, no paywall, completely free. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Tell a friend about the show and leave a five-star review with a comment. That helps keep the show free in five days a week for y'all. It takes like 30 seconds plus. Comment down below. Do you think this is going to make the Pelicans offense even better next season than they're already looking to be with the changes to the take foul rule? So what is the take foul rule and what's going on? So first and foremost, this was a change the NBA had to make. They had to make this change. The take fouls just slowed the game down too much. And what a take foul is, is when a defender fouls someone without making a play on the ball to stop a transition opportunity. So team, you know, the Pelicans opponent misses the Lakers, miss a shot. The Pelicans grab the rebound and start to run in transition. And rather than trying to get the ball, go for a steal, get it back, knock it out, the Laker player just kind of like wraps up the Pelican player to prevent a fast break opportunity. So you had to change this because, oh my God, it slows the game down so much and it is so unfun to watch. Fast break opportunities are fun, right? They often end in dunks. They're exciting, quick plays that move the game along, create more offense. You don't want to take those away. It's an offensive league. You want more offense. But it's a smart move for teams to do. Transition is one of the most efficient areas for teams to score. You have a fast break, right? You have a two-on-one, a three-on-two, a three-on-one, whatever it might be. Your chances of scoring go up greatly. And what we look at in terms of some analytics stuff, when you look at transition opportunities, uh, putbacks off of offensive rebounds, half-court offense, you kind of boil it down to points per possession. You know, we can see and count how many possessions a team had in a game, but also specifically where. We can see how many fast break opportunities they had, how many transition opportunities they had. Well, take the total number of points scored in transition, divide it by those opportunities, and you get kind of a point per possession. Same for half court. Take as many half court possessions as they have and 
total points scored out of those possessions, and you can get it. Same on offensive rebounds. Offensive rebounds, putbacks tend to be really high efficiency, right? It's almost going to be two points per offensive rebound, somewhere in that range. You get it, and you just put it back in. It's kind of as simple as that. Then transition is there, too. Transition is one of the top efficiency things when it comes to offense. Half court, depending on the team, but usually much lower. So you needed to do something to kind of stop these cheap fouls that just slow the game down and kind of take you out of the natural rhythm of the game. And again, transition is fun and teams are actively trying to manufacture those opportunities. So by the way, what is considered a transition opportunity? It's usually following a change in possession. This is the NBA jargon. Following a change in possession, the offensive team is continually advancing the ball while it has an advantage based on the speed of the play, the position of the defenders, or both. Basically, it's keep moving forward and have a man advantage, and they're going to call it a transition opportunity. Again, the Pelicans want to do this, right? When you're playing fast, a lot of that is playing in transition, trying to get out and run a little bit. You get a defensive board, and then that player just books it up and goes and tries to score. Really as simple as that. The Pelicans weren't great when it came to all of that. You know, more possessions leads to a higher pace of play. You've heard me use that stat pace before, where the Pelicans ranked 21st out of 30 last year. Pace is basically the the number of possessions you get per game. So your offensive numbers can be really high, but if you're doing that on a ton of possessions because you're playing fast, well, it doesn't actually mean you're a great offensive team because you've got to kind of equalize due to the pace of play. So when you hear me say pace, it's the number of possessions during game. And we'll do an advanced stats like primer before the season gets started because I use these numbers a lot. And I know we have a lot of new listeners, so I want to make sure that you all understand. And it's good refresher for longtime listeners as well and people very clued in to the NBA. But pace when it comes to this is important. The Pelicans do want to play with pace. There's also something I call pace of possession, which is basically how you're using the shot clock and things like that. And you know, the movement within there too, but pace is the number of possessions per game. Transition opportunities are quick, right? You get the ball, you get down the court, you score. So it increases your pace. So when you hear the Pelicans say, we want to play with pace, a big part of that is we want to get out in transition and run and score. That's a big, important thing for them. Well, eliminating the take foul makes that easier. So let's talk about why this makes the Pelicans offense even scarier next year other than just the obvious. That's coming up here next in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. Before we get to that though, today's episode of Locked on Pelicans is brought to you by betonline.net. Betonline.net, your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. So you can find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including Major League Baseball, golf, MMA, whatever it might be. You can do it over at betonline.net because it's your continued source for basically everything sports and all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores, plus NBA futures. You want to throw down money on where Kevin Durant's going to go, which, by the way, we'll touch on that today. It's going to be a lot harder for him to go to the Suns now or Donovan Mitchell. All that, you can go do it over at betonline.net, and it's your best place to check in on all of your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action over at betonline.net. BetOnline, where the game starts. 
Thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts. We're free on YouTube as well. Subscribe, tell a friend about the show, leave a five-star review with a comment, help keep this free in five days a week. And if you want to do anything to help the show that takes seconds to do, comment on YouTube. More comments, the better. Comment down below. As simple as that. Today's question, right? Like, Do you think this is really going to help the Pelicans? It should, right? Just eliminating this should make offense go up around the league for the most part. But I do think it's really going to benefit New Orleans, the Pelicans, for a couple of reasons. First and foremost is they were a bad half-court team. They were a bad half-court team last year. And teams knew this. So what teams would do is when they started a run in transition, do that take foul. Well, then all of a sudden, you know, play stops you got to inbound the ball, and now you're in a half-court situation because the defense has gotten back and gets set. It's a set defense you're going against, and New Orleans really, really struggled. They even struggled in the playoffs, right, in the, against the Phoenix Suns. When they were in the half-court in some of those games, whew, it was bad. So this doesn't mean you're going to be in the half-court as much. If you can get out and run, if you can get out and run, your offense is going to go up. For a team that struggled at times scoring, and look, yes, they're getting Zion back. Brandon Ingram's going to be fully healthy this year. CJ McCollum will have been here for the full year. So their offense should already be really good. But this is just going to make it even better because they're going to want to run. And they have dudes to run with. That's the other thing that I think is kind of flying under the radar when it comes to New Orleans with this. This is the projected starting lineup, right? CJ McCollum, Brandon Ingram. Herb Jones, Zion Williamson, or Herb is at the two, B.I. is at the three, Zion Williamson at the four, and Jonas Valanciunas at the five. How many of those guys can handle the ball? Four of the five, right? And you just heard Willie Green talk about it on one of the Summer League broadcasts of, we want Herb Jones to initiate the offense more. We want him to have the ball in his hands starting everything. Well, that's going to start in transition before he's doing it in the half court. So whoever gets that defense aboard, basically he's going to take the ball up the court and just start, start running, play fast, right? Not quite seven seconds or less suns, those famous teams that played stupidly fast and ushered in the kind of the pace era that we're in, somewhat of the, of the space part of it too. But the Pelicans are going to be out there running and they have dudes who can do all of this. That's big right? Zion can get the ball in his hands and just take it up the court. We know that. Point Zion. Same for CJ. He can do that. I don't, he's not He's not a one, right? Like He's not going to be a primary ball handler for the most part. And the Pelicans are kind of doing this by committee. You know, he's half of a ball handler. Herb's half of a ball handler. B.I.'s probably 75% of a ball handler. Zion's like 60% of a ball handler. That equates to over one. So that's good. So when you look at these guys, they can all just get it and go. Herb gets the defense board. He'll get out and run. We've seen good handles from Trey Murphy at times too. He's a good rebounder. Get the defense board and go. All of these guys are really able to go and do that. And so it means they're going to try and run. And now teams can't just foul them because I, I didn't even mention this and I should have in the first segment, they're changing it. So if you do a take foul, the team is going to get one free throw and the ball back. Now, it probably should have been two free throws and the ball back, but it's at least something better than before. So this team 
is going to reap the benefits of that. And you might not be able to foul them as much because when they are playing in the half court, we've seen the summer league team do this. They're going to be living at the free throw line, especially with Zion back out there, right? They're going to be living at the free throw line, getting teams in the bonus. So all of a sudden you're doing that and you're just getting them closer to that. So this makes New Orleans terrifying, in my opinion, terrifying, in my opinion, that you can go out and run like that and eliminate the area that they are the weakest, which is half court offense, though they'll be better at that. So they're better at the thing that they're the worst at, and they'll still be doing it less and getting more efficient possessions. That's a top five offense to me with the guys that they have on this roster. Let me know. Do you agree or disagree? Do you think this team could be top five offense? Down below in the comments, yes or no, Y or N, whatever it is you want to say there. Because I really think they can. This just takes away one of the one of the areas that they are weakest offensively and is going to let them get out and run. Okay. Okay. Y'all better watch out, NBA. Seriously, you better watch out because this team's offense is going to be frightening next year. I don't know how teams are going to stop this. Glad I'm not a coach that's having to face New Orleans because you're really going to be earning your money when that is the case. All right, coming up, DeAndre Ayton. All of a sudden, that 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 was a little bit of a drama-filled thing yesterday. I asked her questions on Twitter, and I had to record before I really was able to look at the answers. Um, and no, I'm not going to talk about Dorian Finney-Smith versus Brandon Ingram. Don't, don't need to wade into that one because I think you all know what I would say. All right, coming up, DeAndre Ayton. This impacts the Kevin Durant stuff. This is actually good for New Orleans. I'll explain why. That's coming up here next in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. And thank you for making Locked on Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday for you all, breaking down everything you want to know about this team. Been talking after every summer league game that's during the week, right? Going to be talking on Monday to recap Summer League. Then we're going to get right into off-season talk, right? Where can guys improve? What do you want to see from this team? What is their ceiling? Could they be a top four seed in the West? We're going to be covering all of some guests on the show, too, lining those all up. I am excited. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast and never miss an episode. Tell a friend. Don't let them not know what's going on with this team. This team's going to be fun. You want them to be as informed as you are. Get them listening to Locked on Pelicans. And, of course, comment comment, comment, and leave a five-star review with a comment as well. So it's like all sorts of comments. So the Phoenix Suns have long been the front runner, the rumored front runner for Kevin Durant since he made his trade request. And I don't think he ends up getting traded, at least not right away. And maybe we'll touch on that depending on the time. But part of one of the reasons why was, well, they have a good player in DeAndre Ayton, who they don't really seem to want, is a restricted free agent, and it just kind of works in some sort of sign-in trade. Yeah, he's a good player. He's young. You know, the Nets could take him back, shipping out Kevin Durant, among other pieces, going back to Brooklyn. That seems to make a lot of sense. Well, except he was a restricted free agent, right? And he could negotiate with any team. And one of the two teams left with cap space, the Indiana Pacers and the San Antonio Spurs, the Pacers signed him to a max deal. $130 $130 million over four years. And it put the Phoenix Suns in a weird situation because once he signs the offer sheet and he signed it, well, you, you only have until midnight of that day to get a sign and trade done, either to Indiana or to another team. And well, he signed it, nothing got done. So now he can't go to the Brooklyn Nets. 
And the Phoenix Suns have said they're going to match the offer sheet for DeAndre Ayton. He can veto any trade, any trade for the next year. He has a no trade clause, essentially, because of that. He cannot be traded to the Indiana Pacers whatsoever. But he can veto any trade and say, no, I'm good. It basically takes them out of the running, it feels like, for Kevin Durant. Because that was going to need to be a piece going to them. I don't know if they were truly high on DeAndre Ayton or not, but I think he's a good player. And he's young and has value around the league. So even if you don't like him, you can move him later. Now? Nope. He's going to be staying in Phoenix. And it takes them out of the running for Kevin Durant. This does two things, right? One, it means that they're a Western Conference team that New Orleans is going to have to see a lot. Isn't getting significantly better. I don't think they're taking a step back because... It's the same team that had the best record by far in the NBA last season. But they're not getting much, much, much better. And we saw they're very beatable at times. It's good for New Orleans. It also means you just took out a key part of a deal for Kevin Durant. This drives the price for him down. Whether you think New Orleans should trade for him or not, doesn't matter. This made it easier for New Orleans to get a deal done. This made it easier for New Orleans to get a deal done, particularly if you're not including Brandon Ingram or Zion Williamson, and neither are going to be included in a trade for BI or for Kevin Durant. This means maybe you can get it done with Dyson Daniels, with Trey Murphy, Herb Jones, those kind of guys, and a bunch of picks. Again, I probably I don't think I would do that, but it means you're mo- it, again, it just tilts it a little bit in that regard. But it also probably means that they're not going to be happy with any return for Kevin Durant. And this is, I think, big and also important for New Orleans. Keep that dude in the East. Don't let him come back West. Please don't let him go to the Warriors, who I do think could have a chance at him too. When you look at it, right, you know, they can't tank because Houston owns all of their picks. And Kevin Durant's problems with the Nets center around Kyrie Irving. Not that Kyrie Irving is a nut job, but it's how they treated Kyrie Irving. Not letting him play when he wasn't vaccinated and all of that, right? He is upset with the treatment of his good friend, Kyrie Irving. Still wants to play with him, I think. Could play with him, but doesn't like what the Nets did and is like, screw this team. He's a sensitive dude. We know this. Well, no team's trading for, no team is trading for Kyrie Irving other than the Los Angeles Lakers. And they're going to have to give up a pick to be able to do it and include Russell Westbrook in there. No other team will trade for Kyrie Irving on an expiring deal. I would be beyond stunned if he gets moved to any team that is not the Lakers. So if he's not getting traded and you're not getting good value for Kevin Durant, just keep him and be like, suck it up and play. You guys got to play. You know, let Kyrie Irving play. Kevin Durant maybe then just comes around to it. He's got four more years and maybe they're good. They get Ben Simmons back. That's still three guys that are going to take you pretty far, at least in the regular season. Because of that, it just seems like he's not going to get traded. That's kind of how I felt from the beginning, that they just weren't going to get offers that you want. In theory, he should have like the largest haul ever. And just no one's doing that. There's no one team that makes a lot of sense. Like no team has picks and young players other than maybe New Orleans. And they're not going to give up Brandon Ingram. They're not trading Zion Williamson. So... Yeah, I think it's just one of those things where he's not going to get moved, especially now that DeAndre Ayton's coming back and can't be traded for a while and also has a no-trade clause in his contract, more or less. Can't be traded till January. Maybe they get a deal done then, but then you got to deal with all that and it kind of messes up your season. 
I think he could be staying for the Nets. And I'm fine keeping one of the best players in the game in the Eastern Conference where New Orleans doesn't have to deal with him. So all of this drama around the Nets and Kevin Durant, yeah, that only a good thing for New Orleans. Let me know what you think, good or bad, for the Pelicans here down below in the comments on YouTube. And that's going to do it for this episode of Locked On Pelicans, this week of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all so much for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. And I'll be back with you all on Monday.